and you look at rope and really look at it, it's a bunch of like threads, pieces of thread that they put together. And so they take one piece of thread and they put it together with another, put it together with another, put it together with another, and they get like a strand. And then they take this strand and then take another strand and they kind of interweave them together. And then you take a third strand and then you interweave that strand together. And then you take a fifth, fourth, and sixth. And pretty soon you see all the little strands and they're all just little pieces of thread which make a strand. And the strands are collected together to make the rope and then they tie and twist and twist and twist this together. And so each one of those strands, as they collect them and put them together and twist them together, each one of those strands make up that rope and that rope is used for strength. The more strands you have, the stronger that rope is. Welcome to the Followers of the Way podcast for December 10th, 2017. Today, Pastor Olu brings us a message called World Engines, Daniel principled and purposed. You're talking about collecting something and putting something together, it takes time. It's not something that just happens overnight. And so when we're talking about resolve, we're talking about me determining, we're talking about me being purposeful, when we talk about me making the decision, make up my mind, we can't wait until we're faced with the problem to decide, you know what, I think I'll take a stand here. Taking a stand, purposing in our mind, Having resolve, that's something that we need to do early. That's something that we need to have beforehand. So when we need that strength, it's there and waiting for us. Pastor Olu says that when we are resolved and purposed, we are able to stand up against the world system. But in order to be effective, we have to be strong in what we believe in. But Pastor Olu says that being strong doesn't happen instantly. He says our minds have to already be made up and our convictions in place before we are faced with issues. And Pastor Olu gives us the formula for preparing ourselves so that we are principled and purposed. Now he'll be reading from the book of Daniel, so grab your Bible and follow along with us as we explore God's word here on Followers of the Way. So we're in Daniel chapter one, quick recap. We talked about the children of Israel and how they were under this, the Babylonian rule. We had a message a couple of weeks ago and last week talking about the threefold tack of Babylon to the children of Israel there, to those Hebrew boys, how that is also this threefold attack on us. We talked about an attack of the mind. They wanted to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And we learned in that portion to guard our minds. Proverbs said, above all else, guard your minds. And then Romans chapter 12, verse 2, renew your minds. That's how we withstand the attack of the mind. The second one was the attack of the senses. And we looked in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, how that the writer of Ecclesiastes said that I went and did all this pleasurous stuff. And I did things that I enjoyed. At the end, it was all vanity. or It was all futile. It was all a breath of wind that's here for a moment and then disappears. Satan attacks us on our senses. And then lastly, the last of the three was the attack of the essence of who you are. In the senses, we also looked at lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we talked about how Satan, from the time of Eve all the way through until today, used those same three tactics on us to try to get us to submit our senses over to this world and not to keep them in tune and in line with the scripture. And then we looked at the essence of who you are. Satan wants to attack that. He wants to change who you are. He wants to define who you are. The kingdom of this world wants to define who we are. And so we have to be careful on that. 
And we looked at John chapter 13, 35. And Jesus said, by our love, all people will know that we are his disciples. And so instead of allowing the world or the kingdom of this world to define us, we are defined by our love. And we spent some time last week looking at love from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and talking about what, what's my definition? What am I supposed to look like when people look at me? Because the world is trying to do that. We talked about this last week. There's an intensive, coordinated, carefully planned out and aggressively strategic plan to totally change the essence of who we are being in the kingdom of this world. Not only just who we are, but who our children are, who our family is. That's the plan. There are people in a room somewhere <laughs> with charts and graphs trying to figure out how can I get Olu? How can I get him to change who he is? And so we have to look at what Daniel did in the essence of being in that environment where people were trying to change his mind and attacking his senses and attacking the essence of who he are by changing the name. Remember they had biblical names? They took their biblical names, removed Jehovah and Yahweh and God and replaced them with their false God's name to try to define who they are. And so we have to look at what Daniel did to make sure to how he was able to withstand all of that. And the definition of the word we looked at last week was resolve. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. And we spent some time looking at that word resolve. And we saw some of the definition means to determine. It means to purpose in your heart. It means to make up your mind, to establish. We looked at the word to set. So to set a sign or to make a sign for yourself, to establish who you are. A couple other definitions we didn't get into last week, but I wanted to touch on it today because I thought it was interesting. When we look at that word, what Daniel did in the midst of all that was going on around him, that word in the Hebrew has the idea of to collect resolve or purpose. It has the idea to collect with the intent of collecting to put something together to establish strength. So the idea, they, they use that word when they're talking about building rope or making rope. I don't know how any of you made rope before, but when you look at rope and really look at it, it's a bunch of like threads, pieces of thread that they put together. And so they take one piece of thread and they put it together with another, put it together with another, put it together with another, and they get like a strand. And then they take this strand and then take another strand and they kind of, you know, interweave them together. And then you take a third strand and then you interweave that strand together. And then you take a fifth, fourth, and sixth. And pretty soon you see all the little strands and they're all just little pieces of thread which make a strand. And the strands are collected together to make the rope. And then they tie and twist and twist and twist this together. And so each one of those strands, as they collect them and put them together and twist them together, each one of those strands make up that rope. And that rope is used for strength. The more strands you have, the stronger that rope is. And so when the Bible used the word and what Daniel did in this time was he resolved himself. That basically means that he collected all of the things that he had learned in the past, all the ideas, all the concepts from Scripture, from the Word of God, he collected those, he put them together, he interwove them together to make this strong strand, and he took that and interwove that together to make this strong rope that gave him the strength to withstand. What I like about the Word is it, it, it shows, we talk about collecting something or putting something together, it takes time. It's not something that just happens overnight. 
And so when we're talking about resolve, we're talking about me determining, we're talking about me being purposeful, when we're talking about me making a decision, make up my mind, we can't wait until we're faced with the problem to decide, you know what, I think I'll take a stand here. Taking a stand, purposing in our mind, having resolve, that's something that we need to do early. That's something that we need to have beforehand. So when we need that strength, it's there and waiting for us. What Daniel did was he reached back on all the things that he had learned. And so when we approach with the world, think about the concept. The concept is we are in the kingdom of this world. This world wants to define who we are. This world was attacking us from our mind. It's attacking us from our senses. It's trying to get us to remove God from who we are and replace it with what they think is important, what they think. And so in order to withstand that being world engines in this kingdom, we have to have resolve. We have to be strong. And so because of that, we have to take those strands and put them together. What strands are we talking about? Well, we have to take strands of uh, purposeful and habitual reading of the word of God. I have to take that strand. And then I take the strand of studying the word of God. And I tied it together and I start weaving those together. Then I take the strand of memorizing the word of God and I put that one together. Now I got three. Then I take the strand of listening to godly and biblical based teaching of the word of God. I'll take the strand of intimate and purposeful prayer. Interweave that into that strand. Then I take the strand of worship. I take the strand of fellowship with believers. I take the strand of biblical love that we talked about last week. I take the strand of serving one another, serving others. I take the strand of obedience. I take the strand of uh, things I learned at home from my parents. I learned from other preachers, from other godly people. I take the strand of helping others. I take the strand of showing compassion. I take all those strands together and I tie those together. And what I end up is this strong, thick and sturdy rope that I can use to stand and be strong. And I can take that rope and I can tie it to Jesus Christ, my anchor. And so when the kingdom of this world comes and they're bringing all this stuff and all these things are happening and my world is going crazy and things that happen, I don't understand. And all this pain and suffering and craziness is going on. I'm sturdy. Why? Because I'm tied to the rock, Jesus Christ. But I'm tied with this strand of rope that I built by being purposeful, by having resolve. And that's what Daniel did. That's how Daniel was able to stand during this time, because he had done that. The Bible says in verse 8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. King James says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. That's where that resolve needs to come from. That resolve needs to come from the heart. And we talked about heart was, remember the heart we talked about last week was the center we had the seat from a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about the heart was the center of reason and decision or the seat of one's emotions and decisions. So where your emotions come from, where you love, your hate, your cry, all of that, that's where your heart is. And so being that your heart is the center of that, it's like the control center of your thoughts and your actions and your behavior. And so I was thinking about control center and I was thinking about like air traffic control. I've been on an airplane before. Uh, you've seen them in, uh, in movies and whatnot. The air traffic control is that big, big, tall building that stands in the middle of the airport. And what they do there is they're responsible to make sure that all these billion dollar, hundreds of thousands of ton pieces of metal that are flying through the air, 
with hundreds and thousands of people on them, I'll be able to come and land and take off safely without crashing into each other. Now, you got small airports, you got big airports. I go through Atlanta all the time. I hate going through Atlanta. It's always a delay. It's always some reason there's a delay or something. But when you look out, I don't know if you ever stand and kind of stood out and looked, or I really see it at night. If you're flying in at night, as you get close to the airport, you start seeing all these lights in the sky. And, it, and you're like, wow, what's going on? Where's well, all these airplanes just slowly circling, waiting for air traffic control to tell them, okay, uh, flight 475 through, you are clear to land on uh, turn, uh, what do they call them? What do you land on? Tarmac, thanks. <laughs> on runway six and you turn into tarmac eight, they're sitting there controlling all that stuff that's going on. It's the control center of all those people flying and all those things going on. What they say with their computers and their vision, they're looking out the window, what they say and what they see is responsible to make sure that people live or people die. They have to control all that's going on. And so they're watching, they're looking, they're analyzing. That's the control center of everything that's going on. When the Bible talks about our hearts, when the Bible talks about our mind, it's talking about the control center of our thoughts, our actions, our conduct and behavior. That's what's control what I say. Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie, um, what's the little cartoon with the, um, the little girl and uh, it was inside her mind and it was four little creatures and they, there was one was anger, inside out. Sort of, kind of like that. So Inside Out, the movie, it has, you know, one girl had emotions, one girl was a thinker, one girl was so happy and everything was so happy, one person was a sad, and each one had their own buttons. And as she grew up, they got more and more buttons to control. That's what our heart is. How do I respond when that person came out their mouth that way? There's a control center controlling that. How do I respond when pain and sadness and sickness come? There's a control center. The Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart. He had resolved in his heart. He made a decision in his heart, in his control center of conduct and behavior, that he would not defile himself. How do I withstand the world system against me? How do I make sure that I'm living a life that's holy and pleasing to God? Then I have to have some resolve in my heart, in my control center of my thoughts and my actions. When we do that, we become principled and purposeful. Principled and purposeful. You see, he had to draw something. If Daniel didn't have those strands to put together, when they came to him and said, hey, we want you to do this. Okay, whatever. Because remember, this boy was 14 years old. The other guys were 14, 13, 14, 15 years old. Their parents were far away. They were kids. And the king of a conquering nation was commanding them to do something. And so there had to be something there for this young boy to have resolve, to have purpose in the control center of his heart. And so we, like Daniel, in order for us to be who we're supposed to be, ought to have that. Matter of fact, we should be like so many scriptures. I don't know if you can even see that. But Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 said, the Bible says that Jacob vowed a vow. Job, we talked about it last week. Job 31.1, I made a covenant with my eyes. We need to be like Caleb. The Bible says that Caleb, holy, he was completely loyal to the Lord his God. We all know the verse where Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's resolve. 
That's purpose. That's making up your mind that this is what we're going to do. David said, I have chosen your ways, O Lord. I have set your rules before me. Remember when Elijah was on the mountain? The evil queen was there and the the priest of Baal was there. And right before he called down, he said, when are y'all going to make up your mind? Who are you going to serve? You going to serve God or Baal? And so we need to say, like Elijah, I have made up my mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. Daniel said, we looked at our purpose in his heart. The Bible talks about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 50 said that he set his face like a flint. He set his face toward the cross. No matter all the stuff that was coming, even in the garden, he said, God, can you take this cup away from me? But he set his fate. He did face. He determined that he was going to go toward the cross. Paul said in Philippians, this one thing I do. And so for in order for us to be world engines, in order for us to live in this kingdom of this world and still represent the kingdom of God, there has to be a determination made. There has to be a time when I make up my mind. There has to be a time when I purpose myself. There has to be a time when I have resolve. I take those strands of all those things, studying the word, living the word, reading the word, listening to the word, worshiping God. Take all those strands and I put that together and I make that thick rope that I tie to the ink of Jesus Christ and so that I represent him. And so when people come, when the world come with a three-way attack, attack of the mind, attack of the senses, attack of the essence, when Satan brings his lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, I don't waver. I don't shake because I have resolve. What's interesting, I found interesting in, in Daniel chapter 1 and looking at that, That same word for resolve that he used in chapter 8 is similar to the word that used in a couple of verses up in chapter 7 when it says that they gave them different names. It's like they set for them different names. You know, they purpose for them different names. And so it's kind of like a play on words. In verse 7, it says the Babylonians purposed on them a different name. And then verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. I thought that was kind of cool. So when the world comes and tries to call us or to tempt us or when the lust of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life start becoming attractive to us, we live in this world. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. You know, if sin didn't feel good, it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If sin wasn't attractive, if sin wasn't something that our flesh wanted or wished we could do or longed to do, then it wouldn't be a problem. But because of that, because of that, we have to withstand that. That's why the Bible tells us, I made a vow. I made a covenant with my eyes. Uh, This one thing I do, I purpose in my heart. I've chosen, I set your rules before me because of the way the world is set up. And so when that happens, when we feel the pressure to lose our distinction, remember? There's supposed to be a distinction between us and the world. When we feel that pressure, feel that pressure to lose our distinction, when we want to respond like the kingdom of this world responds, we want to love like the kingdom of this world love. When we're tired of, we talked about it a little bit last week, when we're tired of refraining that power to retaliate, when we're tired of showing compassion, when we're tired of, of, of being satisfied with what we have. You know what? I want that. Why can't I have that? I deserve that. I'm good. You know, when we're tired of doing that, when we're tired of being truly humble, we have to remember, you know what, this is where I need to take my stand. This is where I need to show resolve. What I liked also about this was that the, the first strands of resolved, 
you know, these boys were 14 years old. And so I, I began to wonder, so how were they able to withstand this? And I think that it has something to do with the fact that they were raised godly. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about Daniel's or Hananiah's or all those guys' uh, parents, Mishael's or Azariah's parents. But when I look at their names, you know, you begin to wonder, okay, these guys have specifically biblical names that actually had Yahweh inside of their names. And so it's a strong possibility that that was an example of what their parents were doing with them, instilling them who Yahweh was, instilling them who God was, instilling them the word of God. As a matter of fact, Daniel grew up during the time of when Josiah was king. And we did a study about Josiah a couple of, I don't know, maybe months ago. Remember they found the book of the Bible in the temple, like the temple was destroyed and they went to clean up and they found a Bible in there. And they were like, what is this? We have found a book. I love that phrase. We have found a book. And they looked at it and it was the word of God. And then there was a revival spread across the land. And Josiah was one of the best kings that Judah had right after they found the book. And so Daniel and his friends grew up during that time. So he could have been influenced not only by his parents, who seemed by the names that they gave these boys, they seem to have some type of uh, 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 love for God and some type of way to instill God into these kids. Uh, They could have grown up during, they did grow up during the time of Josiah's. And so during that revival where the word of God was flowing everywhere, there were some cool prophets during that time. Isaiah was a prophet during that time. Jeremiah was a prophet. Zephaniah was a prophet. And Habakkuk was a prophet during that time while Daniel was a kid. So we could have been influenced by these types of things. But when we look at that, turn with me to Deuteronomy. When we look at that, we're talking about, okay, how do I have resolve? Where did that start? Where does being purposeful start? And I would like to suggest that this starts at a young age. In Daniel, I'm sorry, in um, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 8. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Here we go. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house. You shall walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Let's turn a couple of chapters over. Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy 11, verse 19. I'll start at 18. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and there shall be as frontness between your eyes. Here we go. And you shall teach them to your children. Teach what? The word of God. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in your house and when you're walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So that means that while I'm in the house with my children, I'm teaching them the word of God. When I'm talking to my children, I'm teaching the word of God. When I'm along the way, when I'm walking along the way, so they're walking. We got cars. When we're sitting in the cars with our kids, we should be talking and teaching the word of God. When we're sitting in our house, when we lie down at night, when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers as long as the heavens are above the earth. I challenge you that that first strand that we need in order to have resolve starts at a young age. 
Some of us are past a young age. Each one of us have the opportunity to make sure that we do what the scripture says and instill it into our children. And I think that's where it starts right there. We talked about teaching them. And think about what it says. When you're walking, when you're sitting, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, it says put them around the house, at the doorpost of your house. That means I should have some Bible verses on the walls of my house somewhere. So my kids walk around and they just see Bible every, every time they walk somewhere. They hear Bible in the morning time. They hear Bible at night. They hear Bible when we're sitting down eating. They hear Bible when we're in the car driving. They are saturated. I have to put some pictures of just soaked up. She's just so soaked and saturated with the word of God. And by doing this, we make sure that our children are saturated and soaked with the word of God. And that they're dripping God's word everywhere they go. You ever, I was watching uh, um, Melissa's car the other day, me and Jane, yesterday. And um, I had a big towel. You know them towels that really soak up water? I don't know how I got that towel. No, it wasn't a sham. It was like a real, like, towel. It was one of them fluffy ones that really soak up. Such that when I put it in the bucket of the soapy water and put it out, it was like no water in the bucket. <laughs> it was all in the towel. That's, that's how it was. And when I went from the bucket to the car, I was just dripping soapy water everywhere. And then when I hit the car, and pff, Jada was like, wow, it's all on my face and eyes. It was everywhere. Why? Because that towel was just so soaked and saturated that it was dripping soapy water everywhere. That's everywhere. That's how we need to be with our children. Our children should be so soaked up and saturated with the word of God that it's just dripping off of them. They just saying the word of God all the time. Anything happens, they're saying the word of God, such that when they are squeezed, what comes out? The word of God. When hard times come, the word of God comes out. When pain comes, the word of God comes out. When temptations come and people say, hey, you should do this. Or why don't we go over here and do that? comes out is the word of God because they've been saturated. Why? Because we follow the scriptures. When we wake up, when we go to sleep, when they look on the door, when we're in the car, when we're walking, and then we're sitting, we have saturated them. That's our responsibility to do that. Oftentimes I think about when I'm gone or when Jaden or the girls, when they're off to college or forget it, when they're down the street, you know, when I'm not around, have I done all that I am supposed to do? That if God would take me today, right now, if God would take me right now, have I done everything I'm supposed to do by instilling the word of God into the children that he gave me so that they will be biblically successful for the rest of their life? And I think about that because I see kids who've been to church where parents are saved and I see they grow up and then I see them do some crazy stuff. Shoot, I did some crazy stuff. <laughs> you know, my parents were Bert and Velma Bolden. I know it means nothing to any of y'all, but <laughs> it means something where I'm from. <laughs> you know, they, they, they love God. And so I think about that. I often think about, have I done everything I'm supposed to do so that they can respond to life biblically, so they can make the right decisions that they're going to be faced with as they grow? You know, you think about these boys here. Their parents were 900 miles away. Think about that. Their parents were 900 miles away. There was no way for them. There was no Facebook. There was no internet. There were no cell phones. There weren't even no beepers. They couldn't even, you know, hit them on the next tail. Find out, hey, what's going on? What you guys into? What y'all doing? You reading your Bible? You doing what you're supposed to do? There was none of that. 900 miles away, there was peer pressure. Remember, it wasn't just those four boys. It was a bunch of guys that they had brought. And so everybody was saying, oh, you know what? Well, this is our life now. 
What was it about them that they had, that they were able to stand up to the ruler of the known world at that time? Nebuchadnezzar ruled the world at that time. It was because they had that resolve. And I often wonder, did I, have I done enough right now? And then what else do I need to be doing to ensure that if Nebuchadnezzar came and snatched up Jaden and took him to Babylon, and said, okay, now you're going to do this, you're going to eat this, you're going to act like this, you're going to be this, you're going to forget all your parents told you, you're going to act like this, you're going to be this for us, for me, like I want you to think. Would Jaden be able to say in the book of Jaden, <laughs> but Jaden resolved, Jaden purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And so what is it that I need to be doing? I need to be saturated and filling him with the word of God, and that goes for me too. So that when I'm squeezed, when hard times happen to me, what comes out of me? The word of God. When pressures happen to me, what comes out? The word of God. When stress comes, what comes out of me? The word of God. When temptation comes, what comes out of me? The word of God. Why? Because I've saturated myself with the word of God and I have all those strands that I've put together to make sure that I've got this strong rope that's anchored to Jesus. So I will walk and be who he wants me to be in this world. The result of that, turn back to Daniel. What's the result when we resolve? What's the result? What happens after I purposed in my mind that I will not defile myself? What's interesting, and before we get into that, one thing that Daniel doesn't talk about, but history shows us, and I think Josephus even writes about it, something else that happened to these boys. Not only were these boys pulled from their parents, but these boys were turned into eunuchs at such an age, 14 years old. Manhood, taken right from them. And so I, I thought about that. You know, you're 14 years old, you're taken away from your parents, you put it in this crazy world, all these people are telling you to do this, do this, this. Your manhood, the very essence of what makes you a man, has been cut off from you. You're in this position, and I don't see anything in Daniel about them being bitter. I don't see anything about them screaming out to God, why did you put us in this situation? They could have very easily been like, you know what? Forget this, man. I'm done. You're going to snatch me up. I'm 900 away from my parents. I'm 14 years old. You're going to take my manhood from me? Okay, what? look, I'll eat it. Because apparently God ain't doing nothing. God ain't powerful. God is God. We, we learned all this stuff about God when I was little. Apparently, all that meant nothing. Because where is he? Where's the protection? You know, where, where is he? Where's he supposed to stand up and show up? I heard he cut a, a sea wide open and people walked through. I heard about all these miracles. Where's my miracle? He could have so easily, they could have so easily said that or lived that life or been bitter because of what they have been going through or the pain in their past or things that have happened in their past. And they could have used that past pain to fuel them. Or, well, the reason I act like this is because they did this to me. Or the reason they did this is because this happened to me. But they did not. The Bible says even with all that that went on, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He remained true to the word of God, to what God said. The results of that are in verse 8. I'm going to read it. Daniel resolved he would not defile himself with the king's food. Go to verse 9. And God gave, and God gave Daniel favor 
and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the Lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in the worse condition than the youths who are your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. God was like, look, I'm not going to give you no special food. That guy may kill me. But I like what God showed them. When we take that resolve, when we take that stand, go to me to verse 12. Then you said, test your servants for 10 days and let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our own appearance and appearance of the youth who ate the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. And so we listened to this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they drank and gave them vegetables. When we resolve, when we take that resolve, when we take that stand, when we become purposeful, when we purpose in our heart the control center of our conduct and our behavior, We should, like Daniel, have an expectation. We should expect God to God. I couldn't think of a better word, so you're saying word. We should expect God to be God. We should expect God to act like God because we have taken a stand. Daniel went to this guy and said, look, don't feed us that. Give us the vegetables and the water and watch what happens to us in 10 days. He expected God to show up, even after all he had been through. All the pain and the suffering, he expected God to show up. Why? Because he knew what he was taught. He knew what the word of God said, that if you keep my commandments, if you obey me, I will be there. And Daniel was like, you know what? I ain't seen it yet, but my rope is strong. It wasn't just, didn't just have one strand on it. Because if you just try to make a rope with one strand, wind come, it'll knock you off. I don't know, y'all been on a cruise before? You see you know, those crews, when you get off the cruise and they, they dock in some island, give me an island, quick, Bahamas. When they dock in Bahamas, you get off the cruise and you walk beside the boat and sometimes you see the anchor, the rope that comes out that anchor. You seen that rope? That joke's like this, right? <laughs> it's like thick and it's, it's coming out a big hole and I'm like, yo, who, t- who tied that together? That's the kind of rope that we need as the body of Christ. So when the winds come, when the storm comes, when the kingdom of this world tries to get us off course, when the kingdom of this world tries to redefine who we are, we're sturdy and we're strong. Why? Because we're purposed. Why? Because we've taken those strands, the word of God, fellowship, obedience, holy living. And we've got that Caribbean cruise anchor rope tied to Jesus. That way I ain't going nowhere. And when I had that, when Daniel had that, he expected something to happen. He expected God to show up. And when we do that, when we have resolve, we should expect God to God. And then God gives us divine and miraculous blessings. Look at verse 17. And as for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. We should expect God to be God. Then we watch God be God. The Bible says that when they brought the youths up after those 10 days, it was clearly seen that Daniel and his friends were much better than the rest because they had resolve. 
We expect God to be God, and then God will give us. The Bible said he gave them divine and miraculous blessing because they had resolve. Now, did it mean that they didn't go through pain and suffering? No. <laughs> they still had no manhood. They were still 900 miles away from their parents. They were still in the foreign land. These little boys around all these grown men who was getting them to do things and do things that they never done before. But God still in that situation showed up and gave them victory and gave them divine and miraculous blessings. And then because of that, we should expect things to be better. Look at verse eight. And at the end time, when Daniel had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. The Bible said they were better. We are better. Not in a prideful way, but we are better when we have our resolve. We are better when we have that purpose. We are better when we have done what it takes to make sure that our rope is super Caribbean cruise thick. That's when we are better. Why? Because God responds to our obedience. God responds to us and our resolve leads to him doing what he do, giving us those blessings. And we, again, turn out better. And then we discover that God's kingdom and God's way is more powerful than this earthly kingdom. That's what we have to understand. God's way, God's kingdom is more powerful than this earthly kingdom. Verse 20, and in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired them, he found them 10 times better, 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in the kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus, 10 times better. Why? Because they followed God's way, even though they were in a foreign kingdom, even though they were in the Babylonian land, they remembered where they were really from. And that's what we need to do. We don't remember who we are and where we're from, and act like that, and watch God show how powerful he is. Why? (laughs) Because of the theme of this book. God is sovereign. The Bible says he's all-knowing. We call that omniscient. He's all-powerful. We call that omnipotent. And the Bible says that he's absolutely free. That's called universal authority. That means, and I love this, God is free to do whatever he wills to do Anywhere. So he's free to do whatever he wills to do. So he has a will. This is what I want to do. Bible says he's free to do whatever he wills to do anywhere. And at any time, he's free to carry out his internal purpose in every single detail without interference. Without interference. So when the kingdom of the world rises up and threatens the kingdom of God, God's sovereignty always raises up a protector and a help. I read that somewhere. Always raises up a protector and a help. Remember when Pharaoh wanted to kill all the Jewish boys? So he said, you know what? I'm going to kill all these Jewish boys because there's too many of them. What did God do? I said, no. The Bible says he rose up some midwives who would catch the babies as soon as they were born and snatch the boys away so they wouldn't get caught. One of them boys was Moses, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. 
Whenever the kingdom of the world threatens the kingdom of God, God in his sovereignty. Why? Because he knows every single detail that's going on and he has a plan and he has a purpose. And that plan and that purpose will come to pass regardless of what happens. It's going to come to pass. Nebuchadnezzar came through and he said, I'm going to take these boys and I'm going to change their mind and I'm going to make me some enchanters and some wise men who are going to help me conquer the world. And God said, no, he rose up Daniel. He rose up prophets during that time. The cool thing about this is that even in this wicked, evil place, God gave his people a place of eminence, even amongst this pagan wickedness. He gave them a place of eminence. He put them above, I would say as he put those four guys, above the whole land. Why? Because God is in control. He's in control. We need to understand that. I was listening to somebody preaching the other day, and it, it kind of what Tozer always says, the reason why the world's in the state it is in, I mean, and, and the reason why the, the universal church is in the state of the end is because of the God we serve. And I don't mean who God is. I mean who we have made God to be. We have made God to be this weakling. We've made God to be this compromising person. And so we live a life of compromise. We live a life of, oh, we can't really say that. Oh, we can't really do that. Oh, let's make sure they like us. Oh, let's make sure that they this. Oh, let's make sure that they that. We've done that because of we don't realize that God is in control, that God is in charge, and he is the one in his all-knowing, all-powerful, and absolutely free, and he is in control. And so because God is in control, because God is sovereign, when we look out in this world and we see all the craziness that's going on, when we see police brutality going on, when we see that, when we see terrorism popping up, or another country got blown up, or another person took a bomb somewhere and blew it up, when we see the natural disasters, we got hurricanes and tornadoes and, and tsunamis and earthquakes killing people, when we see all this political foolishness going on, and political nonsense and political lies. And we see, oh, Trump did this. Oh, Trump said that. Oh, this party did this. Oh, this party did that. Oh, it seems like the world is in chaos. When we look at that and we see misconduct in all levels of society, we hear about the misconduct that's going on in Congress and people of high position and high power. And we see all that and we say, wow, this is crazy. Everything is going crazy. I should just get myself, get some food, go in a bunker somewhere and tie down and wait for the Holocaust to come. Away for the pain and Armageddon to come. But no, we have to remember, God is in control of every detail that's going on right now. And nothing will happen and nothing will interfere with his purpose. Nothing, nada. As believers, we need to live like that. We need to make decisions like that. We need to make sure that we have that rope. We've taken that strand and we've made that rope as thick as possible by obeying what God says, by doing what he says in his word. And so now I represent the kingdom of God and I purpose and I resolve in my heart, my control center, that I will not defile myself. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We pray, God, that we will be a body of Christ, God, who are sold out to you. First of all, to your sovereignty, God, that we will live a life that we know that you're sovereign and live a life that reflects that we trust in your all-knowing and all power and your universal authority, God. I pray, God, that we will saturate ourselves with the word of God, that we will soak ourselves with the word of God so that whatever happens, God, when we're squeezed by whatever we squeeze, 
Nothing comes out but drippings and drippings of your word. Pray, God, that we will raise our children as your word says, God, so that they will be soaked and saturated with the world. So if they're 900 miles away and they get snatched up by Babylon, that we will know, God, that they will say in their hearts also that they have resolved that they will not defile themselves. I pray, God, that we will be a people that's strong, a people that represent you, God, for our mission of transforming this earth this earthly kingdom into your kingdom, God, that we will do our part, God, and that we will be successful in that. Pray, God, that you will be with us when all pain and suffering and situations and hard times come on us, God, because they're going to come. But I pray, God, that we would take the time beforehand, before those pressures, before that temptation comes, God, that we would take the time beforehand and make sure that our ropes are strong, and that we have that resolve, that we have purpose in our heart, that we've made up our minds, God. We love you, God. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Followers of the Way podcast. If you like more information about Followers of the Way Church, visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash FOTW Church. We trust and hope that you've enjoyed hearing God's word and how to apply it to our lives. Our podcast is updated weekly, so remember to follow us here at Followers of the Way.